0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Dogpile, your favorite Mississippi State baseball podcast. I am Brett Hudson riding solo this time around. We don't have Matt Wyatt with us. He is otherwise preoccupied. We're hoping to get him back on for the weekend episode when we preview that pretty big Georgia series coming up this weekend. But we have a different set of priorities for for this episode of Dogpile, the first of the week our final week of April so the the end of the season is is coming quick crunch time is is upon us uh, as those t-shirts they were giving out on game of thrones night at duty noble say june is coming and it's it's coming pretty quick this is the last week of April and we're going to get into that and recap what was a pretty unfortunate uh, weekend for for Mississippi State baseball fans, although although I will tell you, as I'm recording this podcast, I am feeling your pain. Uh, those of you that are still suffering from, from that Arkansas series, although I imagine there aren't too many of you out there at this point. I imagine most of you have moved on to the Governor's Cup game coming up uh, later tonight, those of you that are getting to the podcast in time for... The Governor's Cup game. Uh, my Nashville Predators were eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs last night in the first round, lost in overtime to the Dallas Stars in Game Six. So I'm I'm podcasting with a heavy heart. Uh, I think y'all will. I think y'all won't notice too much of a difference, though. Uh, at least I hope. Uh, we are coming to you with Mississippi State at 32 and nine, ten and eight. After suffering their first sweep of the season, they lost to Arkansas five to three, twelve to five. And ten to two. I think the grand scheme, the big picture of all of this, is more pressing than the minutiae of each individual loss. Although the, I will point out, I, I did the research and found this number because I'm sure a lot of you were were interested and or just asked me straight up if the 16 walks in that Friday game, that 12 to five loss, was a record of some kind. I I, I did the research and went back. I found a 17 walk game in in 2008, March 9th, 2008 against Baylor. Uh, So this is the most that 12 to five loss was the most walks Mississippi State has had in the game since 2008. It's been over a decade since Mississippi State has walked that many guys in one game. They walked 16 in in that 12 to five loss on Friday. They walked 17 in 2008 against Baylor. So it's been a long time since you've seen something like that out of the, the Mississippi State pitching staff, which personally surprised me given the well-documented pitching struggles over the last two seasons. And and those teams seem to top out in that 11-ish range, give or take, in terms of most walks allowed in a game. And, and once you moved back beyond those pitching depth struggles into maybe closer to the turn of the decade and, and before, most of those teams tended to top out around seven or eight. so just seeing something above 11 was borderline unprecedented for this program and to see 16 was just a, an out of body experience to say the least and all of that is unfortunate. don't don't get me wrong. I went over a lot of that in my full count post by the way those of you that are consistent Matt Wyatt media uh, content, For users and those of you that are, thank you, by the way. I do a weekly full count post, a set of three and a set of two, much like the full count, right? A set of three balls, a set of two strikes. Have three thoughts on the Arkansas series and then two uh, relief pitchers that have it going for for Mississippi State right now. So go to mattwyattmedia.com. The blog section has a Hudson report on it. That's where you can find the full count post head over there for more thoughts on that Arkansas series. And it was unfortunate. Don't get me wrong. State falls to 32 and nine, 10 and eight in sec play. But the sec West actually did the Bulldogs a lot of favors in terms of keeping the log jam very much intact. Th- this race is far from over. And let's look back at the sec weekend. That was Texas A&M won a series at South Carolina, but did not sweep it lost the middle game three to two. They spoiled a respectable Asa Lacey start because they could not figure out the reliever. Brett Carey had a three inning save, so that that loss for Texas A and M was a big one. In this SEC West chase, we'll get to that momentarily. Auburn took a series from Ole Miss. They're now in a three-way tie with State. More on that later. Now, I will admit the East was not particularly helpful this weekend. Georgia swept Missouri, and Vandy swept Alabama. So they put some space between them and Mississippi State for the overall SEC title chase. And how about Tennessee getting its first SEC road sweep since 2010, doing so over Kentucky and Lexington? But here's where it stands right now after all of that. Georgia leads the SEC 13-5. Vanderbilt is 12-6 for second in the SEC East and tied for second in the SEC overall with the current West leader, Arkansas. Now check out the SEC West below 12-6 Arkansas. 11-6-1 Texas A&M. 11-7 LSU. And a trio at 10-8 Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Auburn. And if you want to look at the SEC as a whole, Tennessee is 9-9, nine and nine, very much a threat to overtake any team in the SEC West that slips down the stretch. So the point I'm trying to make here is the SEC, the results around the SEC really helped Mississippi State a little bit. If, if Texas A&M sweeps that series with South Carolina, if LSU doesn't just get skull drug in that first game against Florida, Uh, you might have a different story here. You might have, or say Ole Miss wins that series against Auburn as well. Mississippi State has a tougher climb up the SEC standings than it does right now. So yes, being swept against Arkansas is not ideal by any stretch of the imagination, but the results around the SEC very much much helped Mississippi State in its, its chase up the SEC standings. And it's also worth pointing out that this is nothing that this team hasn't faced in the past. Just look at what they've gone through the previous two seasons to get to where they ultimately went to one super regional and one Omaha appearance. And with all of that in their background for, for a lot of these players that went through at least last season, if not the season prior, that is kind of in their heads right now. And and it's kind of a, I guess the way I was looking at it from what Jake Mangum said on Monday, and you're going to hear from him momentarily, was it, it gives them reason to not freak out. It gives them very well-founded reason to just continue working and, and let the game come to them as it, gen, as it generally does with with a team this talented. They aren't freaking out at the low offensive production in Fayetteville. They aren't freaking out at the fact that they lost three s e c games in a row and frankly had a bad week as a whole if you go back to the midweek game against Texas Southern, which they won five to one, but pretty pretty ugly game for a significant portion of it 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 was tied one to one. For the longest time, they aren't freaking out about a bad week. They've been in this situation before, and I'll I'll let Jake Mangum describe the ideology
1: and the mindset
0: of this team right
1: now. We got 12 more SEC games on the weekend. Uh, we're 10 and eight right now. So, I mean, you know, we, we, we kind of control our you know fate postseason wise. You know, if we still want to be a national seed, we can do that. If we want to be a regional host, we can do that. You know, we, we control you know what we can control, and um, what does that mean? That means let's go out here today and have a good practice. Uh, it's very important we do that, you know, uh, get the offense rolling again, you know, but all year we've hit well, you know, pretty much all year we've pitched well, so uh, this is the first kind of rut we've had at the plate a little bit, and it's surprising it's taking us long. Um, there's no need to overthink it, just get out there today, you know, get some balls around the yard, and kind of get everybody's swing back to normal, and um, and get locked in mentally you've been in this situation several times in your career where a talented team just hits
0: a rut in the road what what's the pulse of this team what does this team need to, to get back to what it usually
1: is well i mean you know like i said we're eight right now you know uh, we've been in much worse situations in four years here there's no doubt about that uh 2016 team was um uh, you know arguably one of the most talented teams i think in you know five ten years you're gonna look back and be like oh my gosh that there was a lot of big leaguers on that team and uh And uh, we left Tuscaloosa – no, excuse me. We went into game three in Tuscaloosa 11-10 and that year. And uh, we finished up 21-10. and So, you know, it's – you know, talent can only take you so far. It's how well you play together. And, uh, you know, this weekend we just didn't play well. And, yeah, we didn't play well last midweek too. So we kind of had – it was just a bad week. We had four four games and we weren't really right at the plate. Uh, You know, pitching didn't do what they did normally. and, And we're fine. There's no need to panic. There's no need for anything except just come out here and have a good practice.
0: Speaking of Jake Mangum, those of you that follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson, hopefully you saw a, uh, a Twitter thread I went on about Jake Mangum's stats against Ole Miss going into this this Governor's Cup game. I had a lot of fun doing that doing that research. I was also doing some research for for another project that that y'all will see uh, later on in the season. Um, but those of you that don't find me on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson full look at Jake Mangum's stats against Ole Miss. He is truly the uh, he is truly the Ole Miss killer. He's very, very good at that. Um and, and even in his time on campus at Mississippi State. Uh state hasn't done a lot of losing to, to Ole Miss relative to the the total history of of the university against Ole Miss. It's been, it was a lot of fun to to look at those numbers and, and those of you that haven't seen it, find me on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson. And all of that goes into the governor's cup game. Uh, That is the topic of, of the rest of this podcast, Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, from Trustmark Park in Pearl, Mississippi, the home of the Mississippi Braves. It is not on television. You can listen to it on the MSU Radio Network. Jim Ellis will have the call from from Pearl. Uh, the best of my knowledge, it is not being streamed or, or anywhere. So if you're not at the game, you got to listen to Jim Ellis or just follow along on, on Twitter. I'll try to provide more information. Um, Uh, I guess, not play-by-play, but you get what I'm saying. More updates on the actual game on Twitter, considering it's not being streamed anywhere. Um... In this game, a couple of things that I find interesting. First, just to let you all know, Ole Miss is starting Zach Phillips. He's a bit of a midweek warrior. Three perfect innings against Arkansas, Pine Bluff, four and a third with two runs allowed against Southern Miss. Most recently, six innings with three hits, two walks, and two runs allowed against Memphis. He struck out six in both the Southern Miss start and the Memphis start. But I think the more interesting half of the starting pitching matchup is on the maroon and white side with Peyton Plumley taking the ball in the Governor's Cup game. You may remember it was a short start for Peyton in Fayetteville, 50 pitches, so he's not limited in going long against Ole Miss in that regard. But he has been a weekend starter recently, so maybe he's limited in that way. I really can see both sides here. I can see Peyton going long, because everyone in this program puts a ton of importance on this game. So if he's really got it going through three innings or so, maybe let him go six or seven and put yourself over the edge in terms of likelihood of winning this game. The other side of that, and what I think will ultimately happen here, though, to to be clear, is keeping him available for a really important weekend series with Georgia, considering State really needs to win that series to stay in the hunt for the SEC regular season title. We talked about that earlier in the episode plus this is a team that's deep enough in the bullpen to kind of bullpen its way through a game like this which hasn't always been the case in recent seasons if I were just to make up a plan and to be clear this is not sourced this is not inside information this is just a hypothetical plan maybe Plumlee for two Keegan James for two Jack Egan for one Riley Self for one Tristan Barlow for one, and then some combination of Colby White and Cole Gordon for the final two. Maybe Jared Liebelt thrown in there in the final two. You throw two of those guys for the final two innings, and you keep the other available in case one of the, one of the pitchers struggles at some point. Along the way, you can go throw him in there to get you out of the jam. That's kind of, if I were to guess, I think. That's what Mississippi State is is going to do. They're gonna get short starts and short stints from five, six, seven different guys to, to keep everyone available for what's a very important Georgia series this weekend. And we'll get to that in the next episode of Dogpile later on in the week. But again, I also wouldn't be surprised if, if Peyton Plumley has it rolling. Just just let him go. Let him win this game for you and and trust the rest of the bullpen to handle the Georgia weekend. Maybe someone like Eric Sarantola can get a weekend opportunity. Um, I still think that they're going to keep Peyton Plumley available for the Georgia series, but just wanted to put that kernel out there. that There is a lot of importance placed on this game, and, and maybe – enough importance that if Peyton Plumley has it rolling, they just they just let him go. A few quick notes on the Ole Miss lineup that that group of pitchers will face. I'm still considering it likely that Ole Miss will be without Ryan Olenek. I read from Parrish Alford, of the Tupelo Daily Journal this morning, that he's able to swing the bat, but running full speed remains an issue for him after a hip injury. Maybe he's back for the weekend series against Texas A&M. And that's a real big one. We'll also get to that in the next episode of Dogpile. But seeing him play in this one would surprise me a little bit. And being without Ryan Olenek is a big blow because he's still their leading hitter, hitting 370 and he did not play in that Auburn series last weekend. Thomas Dillard is slumping at the moment. He's the Rebels' best power bat. Leading the team in slugging at five fifty-six with nine homers. But he went one for 11 in the Auburn series. And is one for his last 17. If you include the two games before that Auburn series. Gray Kessinger, however, was awesome for Ole Miss against Auburn. Six for 13, two homers in that rubber match that Ole Miss ultimately lost. I will be down in Pearl. For the Governor's Cup game. Three straight Governor's Cup games for me. 6 o'clock from Trustmark Park in Pearl, Mississippi. Follow along for on Twitter for updates at Brett underscore Hudson. I'll have the updates for you as best I can, considering it's not going to be on, on television of, of any kind. You can listen to Jim Ellis, as I said earlier. We'll come back for another episode of Dogpile later this week to get into recapping the Governor's Cup game and then previewing a big series... With Georgia, and I'm going to quickly look at the weather broadcast, uh, weather forecast for for this weekend. Excuse me, weather forecast to, to see what the uh, see what it looks like for Mississippi State. I'm using uh, AccuWeather. Uh, I don't know why, but it's it's the one I tend to use. They, it, huh? It actually looks like it should be okay for for the weekend. The thunderstorm should be coming in Thursday. And this is a Friday, Saturday, Sunday series, so it should be okay. It's currently scheduled for Friday, 6.30, SEC Network Plus, Saturday at noon, SEC Network, Sunday, 1 o'clock, SEC Network Plus. So one game on big TV, two on the digital streaming. Um, And then there is no midweek in between that Georgia series series. And their trip to College Station uh, to face Texas A&M. So there's only two midweek games left in the season. And this Governor's Cup game is one of them. The last one is on May 8th, a Wednesday, in between the Texas A&M series and and the Ole Miss series. So next to last, midweek game of the year, Governor's Cup in Pearl, Mississippi against Ole Miss. Hope this podcast got you prepared for that. We'll recap it and get into the Georgia series on the next episode of pile. Until then, I am Brett Hudson. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.